1: on Stories of the Supernatural. I hope you enjoy the show, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, Stories of the Supernatural. How are you all doing today? Well, today I'm doing really, really well. Part of it has to be because uh, of the guests that I have today on Stories of the Supernatural, and this lady's name is Cindy Parmeter. Now, Cindy uh, started out as a screenwriter uh, before deciding to pursue her dream of becoming an author. Now, she's always been fascinated by true ghost stories, yay, and uh, other tales of the supernatural. Her family history is steeped in folklore, so stories were plentiful which resulted in the True Stories of the Paranormal series, which she has several books on, and you're going to see some of the covers as we go through the show. Now, her work has been featured numerous times on the anthology web series Weird Darkness. Uh, She's a contributor to several online horror publications, and she's also been a featured guest on various podcasts. She's also a respected tarot card reader, as well as a noted speaker on the subject of the paranormal and the unexplained. So, how are you doing today, Cindy? I'm doing great. Fantastic. It is so great to have you on the show. And what I'm going to do, Cindy, is I'm going to ask you what I ask all my guests, which is, even though it does make mention of that you had, uh, basically, you had your family, which had some type of uh, folklore and paranormal experiences, but when did you have a paranormal experience as a child, as an adult? And it started out as a child, and it
2: it all stems from my mother's family. Okay. Um, We would go visit my grandmother, and she lived way out in the country in West Virginia.
3: Mm -hmm. And
2: we would go every summer and stay out there. And her house, I mean, literally, when you talk about the middle of nowhere, she lived in the middle (laughs) of nowhere.
3: Okay. You had
2: to go out a rutted old dirt road, and she was a house with no running water and no indoor plumbing way out in the middle of nowhere and no street lights of course if there were no streets so at night it was just black. So I was terrified anyway. <laughs> but then I had experiences this was just mine. Everybody had experiences there. But mine was just this strange like waking nightmare. I was sleeping in the bed with my parents and I woke my mom up and I was screaming, They're after me, they're after me And she kept telling me, it's just a nightmare, but, I mean, there was something, I was so terrified. I've never been so frightened, and I remember now, as a child, how scared I was. And then after that, my sister was like, well, you were lucky because you slept in the main bedroom. I always had to sleep in the spare bedroom, and something would slam its hands down on the bed every night. And my cousin also slept in that room, and he said the same thing. Something would hit the bed. And... There was always something in that house that there was a spring-loaded gate, and the gate would open and close. Oh. And my uncle said, you know, I was sat on the porch and watched the gate open and shut. Like someone opened it, walked uh-huh. in, and closed the gate. behind them, But there was no one there. And, but they were such practical people. My grandmother lived there until she was well into her 80s, and uh, she, it was just normal. She would hear people, she lived by herself most of the time. I had a cousin who sometimes lived with her. She was almost always alone. And she would hear steps, someone walking across her front porch, 3 o'clock in the morning. And this is a oh. house you would never just happen upon.
1: And was this a family home? Did you, Or did your grandmother or, or your grandparents buy it originally from somebody else?
2: This was a family home. Okay. And after she left, I mean, it didn't go to anyone. After she left it, it sat and rotted, I guess, because it just, it was not a place anyone would ever want. And anyone who'd ever been there would never have wanted it. I was, so, no um,
1: takers on the, on the house, right? Um, so did you guys, was there any suspects as to who was causing the disturbance or anything like that?
2: Never. And that was a strange thing with the family is that it was just a given that all this weird stuff went on and they would talk about it. They were extremely very fundamentalist Christian, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, they totally believed in ghosts and spirits and demons, and it was like, well, this is just some weird thing that happens, and they didn't think anything about it, and that's why I grew up hearing these stories all the time, and one of my aunts in particular would tell stories well into the night, and I just ate it up, and my mom would finally say, stop, you're going to give her nightmares, (laughs) and I was like, no, it never bothers me. But they all had strange, only my mom's side of the family all had strange experiences. But they would go to church on Sunday. They totally, very strong believers, which was great. But at the same time, there were ghosts haunting the house and there were demons. And that was just another part of their lives.
1: Right. Like you said, your grandmother spent all her days there. And like you said, even when she was alone, so she kind of like, I guess she made up her mind. If I want to stay living here, I'm just going to have to deal with it.
2: Exactly. And she would bring, she would have dogs. That would be her company. And her dogs, one by one, the dogs would disappear. Oh. She'd have a dog, and she wouldn't have a dog. And (laughs) she would find teeth and bones and stuff eventually around her house. Oh. But she never found her dogs. There was a, there's a dog, there's no more dogs. The dogs would bark when she would hear someone on the porch. There was someone on the porch because the dogs could hear it too. But she would, she never opened the door, but she would look out the window and there Mm. wouldn't be anyone on the porch. But there was this always some weird thing going on in the house. My cousin, Donna, who has since passed away, but she told me a story. She was very ill when she was a teenager. She was running a scorching fever, and she slept over at my grandmother's house with one of my aunts. And she said she slept in the living room on the couch, and she was covers and threw them off. And someone covered her back up. And this went on all night. Wow. And her fever finally broke the next morning. And at breakfast, she told my grandmother and my aunt, I don't know which one of you was covering me up during the night, but you were killing me. And they were like, well, we didn't get up during the night. <laughs> so whoever kept covering her all night long was no one in the house.
1: This is wow. just strange. I mean, everyone who ever stayed there had a story. And you think but there was, was more just, than one entity or what, more than one whatever haunting the place, you think?
2: I do, because that one seemed like whoever it was was just trying to help. They weren't being mean or anything. Mm-hmm. They were just covering up the sick girl. But the others, the, whoever was walking on the porch and whoever okay. was slamming their hands on the bed, I think that was more of a sinister thing going on. So I think there was definitely more than one spirit in that house. But I don't think it was family-related. and No one had ever passed away in that house mm-hmm. or anything. So, and, and as far as I know, it was a family home. My, my grandma, my grandmother and grandfather actually built. So no one house. else had ever lived there. So I. Makes you
1: wonder, yeah. though, maybe what was around, you know, in that land or if maybe there had been another structure, not exactly there, but close by that maybe who knows what could have happened. And when your grandparents built, they had no idea. You know, it's could have been anything, really. But that's so interesting. Yeah. It's so scary as a kid. <laughs> so I see
3: so terrifying. what happened you
1: did you um did you like you said your grandmother passed away and nobody returned to the house like okay forget it none of us everybody's had their experiences so and what happened after that did you ever have anything other encounters or experiences oh yeah
2: it, it continued for most of us my grandmother, however, she didn't actually die in that house. She had okay. moved into a smaller house in town and okay. just left that house to go. Okay. But when she moved to the new home, she never had another problem herself. But my cousin who moved in with her, he still did, but he always threw out his life, and he died very young. But he always had problems no matter where he went. So and it makes- so it, it continued there for just him.
1: So do you think he was one of those cases where he was the one that was haunted versus the location?
2: Oh yeah, definitely. Because he tried moving out of state, he moved to North Carolina, mm-hmm. the apartment he lived in there. He said, you know, the burners on the stove would turn on by themselves. Wow. He was pushed down the flight of stairs when there was no one else around. Okay, uh, he ended up moving back to West Virginia in with my grandmother and he would tell her something comes to my window at night oh, my God. and beckons me to come outside. And yeah. she would say, it's just, it's the devil. Don't listen, ignore it. And he ended up dying from a massive heart attack in his sleep, in that room. But he was just terrorized throughout his life. And it no sounds where very he malicious,
1: went, whatever it was. It wasn't like a, like what you said, where sometimes, you know, you hear noises or maybe a presence, but that's the extent of it. That's he sounds like what was going on mm-hmm. with him was, uh, was like malicious or malevolent enough. Like you said that he lived his life being afraid which is a horrible thing by the way
2: and i always wanted to believe that you know spirits don't want to hurt us but in his case i think they did and i think in the end maybe they ultimately did because no one knows why at the age of 40 he died of a massive heart attack he'd had his problems throughout his life but Mm -hmm. it was a shock to everyone and he was a very terrified person and he wasn't afraid to say you know something's terrifying me everywhere I go he, t- he talked about it all the time
1: yeah fear will do that to you let me tell that constant fear anxiety something that's really causing mm-hmm. you that'll wear you down I can see where absolutely that's going to stress you out and affect your health oh yeah right so so okay your grandmother she what happened was or was or did you have experiences other besides that house Um, not
2: until I got married pretty much my husband and I rented a house and when we first moved in it was fine no problems we lived there for a couple of years no problems Um, I got pregnant Um, our daughter was born and right after our daughter was born things started happening and it it seemed to center around her really because uh, we we had our bedroom and we had a baby's room for her And we had two cats at the time. And even before my daughter was born, the cats would not go in that spare room, ever. They were into everything in that house except for that room, would not sit foot in it. But we didn't think anything about it. Mm -hmm. They're cats, who knows? But we set the baby's room up this beautiful room. She would not spend one night in that room. From minute one, she just screamed. And we just thought, well, we have a fussy baby. Mm -hmm. So we kept her in with us. And when she was old enough, that we were like, no, she has to be in her own room. Again, not normal baby crying. I
1: mean, she right. was
2: one and a half or whatever, and would just cry until her face was as red as...
1: Uh, right, uh, you and know that it's...
2: That terrified. Yeah. And when she was old enough to speak, she said that there were two men in her room. They would stand by the window sometimes, and other times they would shake her crib all night long.
1: Oh, wow. And, and it was she, that one room? That,
2: just that room. And I started sleeping in the floor of that room next to her crib. And she settled down after that. But I had the same exact experience that I had as a child at my grandmother's house in my daughter's room.
3: Really? I would
2: close my eyes. And normally you close your eyes and it's dark or you might see a little specks of this and that. It was like the 4th of July. And I don't know how else to describe it. I would close my eyes and it was swirling light and just activity all night long. And eventually it died down, but it was the weirdest thing. It won't let you rest, and it's just like all this activity happening around you, but it's inside your head.
3: Mm-hmm. And my head
2: was like bang, these big pops inside my head. and just the what? weirdest stuff. And it did eventually die down, but then we noticed things throughout the house. My husband and I, we were sitting in the living room, minding our own business, and we heard a crash in the kitchen. We went in, and my toaster oven, which had been level on the countertop, was in the floor in as many pieces as it could be in. And it, it couldn't have slid off. And even if it had done, me I that, mean, it was smashed.
1: That takes a lot of power to move something like that.
2: Exactly. And my husband, trying to be logical, maybe a truck went by it. No. And I was like, no, 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 no way. And. <laughs> He wasn't completely convinced, and then it happened with the tea kettle. Same exact thing. Nobody was in the kitchen. We heard a smash, tea kettle in the floor. Any part of it that could come off had come off, and it was just our our basement. So, for us had made little cubbies to store old window panes and doors and all kinds of things. But it was totally level. Again, we're upstairs, minding our own business. We're not jumping around and doing anything. And a huge crash. My husband, the chicken, wouldn't even go downstairs. I went down, and all of that stuff was in the floor. Glass, shards, everywhere. Everything was down. And I always hated that basement. It was where the laundry was. And sometimes, as crazy as it sounds, I would put the laundry in and run up the stairs. Because you get that feeling, that tickle on the back of your neck. And something was there. And it just scared the crap out of me. And I would run. An adult woman...
1: Oh no! Let me tell you something. That's that's like your logic is like forget the logic part. I know I need to get out of here <laughs> now.
2: Exactly. It's weird. Just get out, and, and you just know when something's not right. And that house was not right. And, and did you ever find out any
1: history on it or anything at all? I'm, th- I'm sorry. Did you ever find out any history or find out anything as if anything had ever happened we there? Did
2: in this case we did. Um, because it kept going on. Um, none of our electrical appliances would last. Our VCRs, our DVD players, our televisions gone, gone, gone. Light bulbs would literally burst out of the sockets, Wow. Time and time again. And we actually called an electrician, and he was like, you know, it's sound. I don't know why your appliances keep breaking down. I don't know what's going on. Your electric system is sound. Eventually, uh, I have to tell you, the last thing that happened that got us out of the house, and this was, it's the house had a floor furnace.
1: Okay. Reminding
2: her own business again, my little girl was in bed, and bam, the floor furnace fell through into the basement. The
1: and what? as naive
2: as we were, I called 911 and told them what happened, and they were, they didn't seem too concerned. We'll send someone out. My husband went down and turned off a pilot light. the wrong one, eventually, we found out. And we thought, well, we're safe now. So I called 911 again and said, oh, forget it. We took care of it. Just then, our whole neighborhood was lit up. Fire trucks, one after the other. They cordoned off the neighborhood. Our neighbors were evacuated. Firemen rushed in our house and said, get out now. And we, we were so silly. We didn't know what, why did everyone in such a panic. Okay. Of course, there was a gas line attached to this furnace. Oh. And they were terrified that the gas line had been severed and that any moment the whole house was going to go up, if not the whole block. Oh, and wow. we stood out in the street, February freezing, and eventually the fireman came out and he was so he walked up to my husband and he said, I want to shake your hand because you're the luckiest man I know. He said, In it's just it's science. That's what would happen. But in your case, whoever had this house built put a blower underneath to blow out more hot air and that furnace had fallen and landed on the blower instead of the floor. And it was just enough to save the gas. he said, this would never happen. Nobody ever built those blowers. You were so lucky. And we just figured, you know what? Something's been trying to get us out of this house for ages. And this was their last warning that, you know, we could hurt you if we want to. So this is it. We're giving you one more chance to get out of here. And we moved out the next and it was.
1: He was like, okay. So you, so you were there eight years. Yeah. And this was like what you said. That's it. We're not going to find out that's let me
2: find out who was in the house because my mother her house before us okay my mom any of this stuff was going on until the furnace thing and she was like well I know the two men that my daughter was talking about she's like the lady who had the house for us her father and her husband both died in that house in that spare bedroom because that was her sick room and they both passed away in there And my mom was like, you know, but they were really nice men. And I was like, well, they might have been nice men, but they didn't want us living in their house. But it was very strange to me that there were two men who died in the room that my daughter, this child, child, she saw two men. And I didn't know that story. I had no idea that anyone had passed away from the house. So I think those were the guys. And I don't think they ever wanted to hurt us, but I do think they wanted us to leave. And it all... Stirred up when my daughter came into the picture and I've always heard that babies can bring an energy.
3: Yes. And I, I think
2: that. that I think that she just kind of awakened them and they wanted their house back.
1: It's yeah, people and and because they died in the not at the same time, obviously, you know, but in that one room. So this right. was oh wow. And that thing about the furnace, that is incredible. That right there, I understand exactly why. you decided after that it's time to get out of here it's what that could have been so dangerous
2: the whole thing I mean that doesn't happen Furnaces don't just fall in like that it was one in a million that and the fact that it didn't blow up and I mean all of our neighbors were just terrified everyone standing out in the street it was such a crazy scene and I was like we all this just because of these people wanted us out of this house but they got their way and it, it all worked out cuz the house that we moved to was fine we never had any problems so it was just that house
1: exactly and and uh, and that's the thing One, you know I, a lot of people don't realize that you can have those disturbances and it doesn't have to be everybody thinks of like way like like a long time ago turn of the century or, I, not really you could have something when i say recent i mean in 20, 30, 40 years before and you can have that level or intensity of a haunting even f- without the, you know how you always think of the tragedy, the violent death or the suicide, you know, as far as an active or intelligent haunting, you can have something like that. Two people or two men in this case that uh, they just, this was for some reason they were very territorial for about this house.
2: Yeah. I've-
1: strangest thing and and my mother
2: the fact that she had known both of them while they were living I mean it wasn't really that long ago and uh, you know they were great guys but just a very strange situation of
1: just wanting their house
2: back that
1: is incredible so here you go you moved out and like you said luckily no more no more hauntings at the house and did you ever have any other experiences or what what was it that uh propelled you to start writing your stories as far as the having to do with the paranormal?
2: We've always had just little things. Um some of them are just odd. I have to tell the story of little Alice because everybody loves this story and God bless her, my husband's grandmother Audrey was a lady who loved to go to flea markets. She loved antiques and auctions and she gave us a doll. This is when my daughter was smaller. And um doll was probably two and a half feet, three feet, kind of a larger one, and she talked, and she was really beautiful, blonde, curly hair, and she gave her to us, and that was great, and the doll would talk, and she would say nice things like, I want to be your friend, my name is little Alice, and then she would say, I like peas and carrots, and then I was outside with her one day on the porch swing, and she said, you need professional help. What? And I was like, what? What did she say? And I told my husband, (laughs) you need professional help. Uh, uh. And I told my husband, I was like, oh my God, you're not going to believe what little Alice just said. (laughs) And we tried to get her to say it again, and she would not. She went back to, I like peas and carrots, I want to be your friend. And I was like, I'm not kidding you, this doll told me I need professional help. He thought I was crazy. And then later on, little Alice started, she was speaking in a normal no accent. She started speaking with a German accent. What? And my husband did this as well. Oh, and she, at one point, it was like she was reading court transcripts. And she talked about Nazis. And she talked about trials. And it went on and on, like she was just reading page after page holy in this German accent. And we were like, oh my gosh, this is unreal. And then we could not get her to do it again. When she finally stopped, she never did it again everything she did that was so crazy and out of the ordinary only happened once and we can never get it to repeat and it drove us crazy and but we for some reason we did not throw this doll away i put her in the shed Mm -hmm. in our backyard Uh, i didn't want to get rid of her she was a gift and she was really unique but she creeped us out so much but then every time we'd have to go to the shed for anything there would be little alice being creepy And so eventually, I just put her in the trash. He's like, months months later, I had to go get something out of the shed, and I found her hair, which had been attached to her head for some reason. When I threw her away, I hadn't noticed that her hair wasn't attached. She wore a little bonnet, and there was her little doll wig, laying there. Oh my god! She freaks us out so much. I've never had a doll. I don't know what she was, and I tried to research her. Little Alice, Jeremy, right. anything—I couldn't find out anything about her. And people say, "Why did you get rid of that doll? You should have kept that doll." Like, well, you didn't meet that doll. You wouldn't do Yeah, say that. I know.
1: She it's like, horrible. <laughs> exactly. It's like Little Alice is like, forget it. You know, Little Alice is giving me nightmares. Thanks, no.
2: Yeah, I was like it wasn't normal no doll is programmed to tell you you need professional help I don't think
1: no and no then
2: someone suggested to me well you know maybe she had been used as like a spy tool or something maybe that's why you know she had all these weird documents programmed into her and I was like I don't know that's I don't way know out about there that,
1: but, yeah and, and the German accent is like <laughs> okay
2: yeah It was just crazy. Uh, She's the strangest object I've ever encountered, and we've had kind of some weird objects, some pictures and stuff that creeped us out, and some that were bad luck that we got rid of, but little Alice was something very unique. I've never come across anything like her before.
1: Let me tell you something, Little Alice. Wow, you're absolutely right. What a story! Little Alice is like, I mean, and this is the thing, you know. Nowadays, besides uh, garage sales, a lot of people pick up things, you know, when they put them on the curb. And yeah. I tell you, you, you got to be really careful because sometimes you really don't know what you're picking up. Yeah, it could have been Grandpa's or Grandmother's stuff that died, and here they, oh and my God, what rid a of find! for a reason. Yes. That's like- Sometimes
2: that that is spooky. I'm really strange about that. I don't like old cameras. Mm -hmm. I don't like old mirrors because I've always heard and I totally believe that they capture images and whatever images they capture are locked in there somewhere. And sometimes you don't want to know what they've seen. I don't like any antique mirrors or cameras or anything like that. I'm really freaked out about it. And my husband loves antique stuff. Like, don't ever bring anything like that into my house. I don't like it. Uh, it brings with it stuff that I just don't want.
1: People don't realize, I tell them, because it, and th- this is the thing also. You could have the most innocuous looking object. In other words, nothing creepy. Like let's say, for example, mm-hmm. you know, stuff that nowadays, it could be anything. Uh, it could be like a little China doll, something But if it meant something, it it can get an attachment, I guess is my point. Uh, It doesn't have to be creepy or it could just have meant something significant to the owner for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And the next thing you know, you bring that home and things start to happen. And then a lot of people tear their hair out, never making the connection until you start going back and they go, okay, when did this start? When did you start noticing these things or what? And a lot of times... If they catch on, they realize a point of origin was that object. So exactly. you have to be really careful. Um, and also, um, I've noticed that sometimes people don't realize, and, and I'm glad you made that point, that sometimes you'll go to certain houses or certain houses, nothing happens to certain people. But then you get another family moves in. and Like you said, in your example, that you had a baby, that for some reason, this seems to do something where it triggers or amps up uh, activity at a house that, or the, you know, what you Mm -hmm. heard of when people do the, uh, they start to remodel the house, which a lot of people do sometimes when they go into a new house. Uh, And that's why I think sometimes some things are dormant and depending on who's there or what's happening, then you get activity and you'll ask the prior owner and they'll tell you, Oh, I never felt anything or nothing happened to me. And it's like, uh it's it's kind of a weird mystery going on there as far as the the hauntings especially if it's low-key so uh did you are you the kind of person though that when you go to certain places uh you get those feelings are you sensitive in other words i am and sometimes uh,
2: and around places but sometimes more so around people Mm -hmm. some people um My husband had a dvd store and i would work at it sometimes and there was this guy who would come in and he was kind of creepy but he wasn't anyone that you would avoid or anything but the first time i had to encounter this guy i was physically ill just looking up at him made me so sick and after a couple of times i told my husband i can't ever wait on this guy again and when he comes, I have to go somewhere else. He makes me so ill, and I—I I don't know what it is. He seems nice. He was never rude or anything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't stand him. And it was probably months since I had seen this guy. And my husband said, "I stopped working for him." And my husband said, "Do you remember that guy that used to creep you out, and make you so sick?" And I was like. Yeah he got arrested. He is a child molester, and this has been a long thing with him. Oh my God. And he had all these victims, and I was like, I knew this guy right. made me so sick. Exactly. And, and, and I've had that feeling in houses, too, that I'll go in and I'll just immediately feel watched or feel like something wrong has happened here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't want to be here. And everybody else seems happy and they're fine, and I'm like, maybe it's just me, but you know something's wrong and I, I can't be here and I, I have to excuse myself I'm this really weird person as I have to go outside and get some air and people think I'm just nuts but think, no there's just something wrong and I don't want to say it to anyone but right. something's wrong in it
1: right but and you've learned to listen to your gut even though your logic is telling you mm-hmm. yeah a lot of people do not do that
2: it reminds me to one of my favorite stories I'm sorry
1: let's go ahead go ahead
2: um, I used to sell real estate and, mm-hmm. uh, one of the other realtors told me a story and it really creeped me out. I love animals. And she said, uh, she knew a realtor who had shown a house to a lady and, uh, they went in and she had to make a phone call and the lady that was the client started exploring the house and she went upstairs and she loved the house. Everything about it was perfect. She was going to make an offer on it. And while she was upstairs going through the rooms, there was a white cat. And the cat was very sweet. It was rubbing against her, and it was nice. And then when they went into certain rooms, the cat's demeanor would immediately change. And so the cat would hiss, and it got really um, aggressive. And the woman started to feel really sick. And she went downstairs, and she told the realtor, you know, I've got to think about the house, and there's a cat upstairs. And the realtor was well, like, there's not supposed to be a cat here. And she went upstairs, couldn't find the cat. Um, the lady said, you know, think about the house, I'll let you know. She decided she could not take the house. Um, something about the cat and the sick feeling that she got, she just didn't want the house anymore. And she bought another house. It was all fine. And her realtor called her months down the line and said, did you see what happened? Did you read the newspaper? And she's like, no. And the house that you looked at, the one that you loved, and then you changed your mind about, the couple who bought that house were murdered. Uh, they were killed in a home invasion. Oh. And she felt from then on the lady was pretty sure the cat was a premonition and a warning to her yes. that it's not for you. Something bad's going to happen here. Yeah. And it saved her. And then she had sort of survivor's guilt. You know, why did the cat save me, but this couple? ended up losing their lives in that house and that's just the weird way that fate works but hey for um, all she knows uh,
1: maybe the white cat appeared to them and they were like oh get this cat out of here she doesn't know that's
2: the yeah exactly <laughs> because some people would scoff at that and think oh there's just a cat who cares yeah. But he took it very seriously and it, and it saved her life at the end of the day and i do think that we all of us sometimes we're sent little angels and yes. we don't realize it because I mean, I've heard people say, there was a horrible story that took place in Michigan years ago of a stewardess who was murdered in a hotel, Mm -hmm. and she opened the door for a guy who said he was maintenance. Another stewardess had been in the room beside her. The same guy had come to her door, and a little something inside of her said, don't open the door. So how many times does that happen to us, that we think twice about something, and we don't even realize what we've done? But we yes. may have just saved our lives or someone else's, and we didn't even realize it.
1: Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm going to give you my own story. Like, when I was like, um, I had to have been like maybe 19. My first car, it was one of those 1970 something Camaros. Got it brand new. And you know that they have, you know, those bucket seats that are like the high, you know, on the front seat. And, mm-hmm. it, and I have a dream, and my grandfather, my father's had already passed away. And he was, when he passed away, he had like, his hair was all white. But to be honest, I don't remember really dreaming with him. Uh, And in that dream, I'm leaving my house and I'm coming up to my car, but I'm looking through my car, like through, you know, like when you look through the back window where you can see the back, like into your car. And I'm seeing what looks like his head sitting in the passenger seat next to mine because of the white hair. But it was one of those things like yeah my grandfather that's dead he's sitting in but it didn't weird me out of course dream thing didn't weird me out i was like oh oh, okay and it was like one of these really short logical but really short dreams like i'm coming out here's my dead grandfather sitting in my passenger seat and um that was it next day driving down the street of regular street normal traffic it wasn't a highway And all of a sudden, I see this car coming. It was a two-lane street. I see this guy coming up straight. Like I don't know. I want to say he was changing lanes, but he really wasn't changing lanes because it wasn't like, you know, when you go around the car and you get in front of it. He was just charging straight up towards where I was at. Mm -hmm. And I went and I like, thank God there was like a big easement on either side of the road where I just, like, pulled over, like, because, to be honest with you, it took me a bit to realize, is that, like, you know, when you go, is that a car coming towards me? Wait a minute. And he's not going back into his lane. Oh, God. Yeah. And I really mm-hmm. think, to this date that it was my grandfather trying to give me, like, a heads up, because I had never dreamt with him before, or any, I don't think, even afterwards, that it was almost like a be careful kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and like i said when you're 19 you really when you're a teenager you don't pay attention to that things but i never forgot that i remember like after i pulled over to the side you know when you that feeling i just dodged a bullet and that dream came to my mind like right away and i was like oh i wonder what he was was he trying to tell me or was he trying to tell me i'm taking care of you it was such a weird incident but uh luckily like of course i'm here to tell the tale but in other words if i wouldn't have gotten off the road I, I, I even to this point, I don't understand what that guy was doing, why he was going straight up on the opposite lane from where he was supposed to be on. Yeah. So, yeah, sometimes we have those moments when we get like a little heads up. Unfortunately, not everybody, though, pay t- pays attention to them because they do the, oh, it's my imagination or even though it's really obvious or no, that's too obvious or things like that. Like, they don't, they don't pay attention to their gut. So.
2: Exactly, and I, I think that happens more often than we ever know. I mean, we can't really know, but I think, yeah, some of us are, are a little more tuned in. And I've had times when I've done something stupid, and I'll think, why did I do that? I mean, every instinct told me that was a dumb thing to do, mm-hmm. and I didn't. And um, fortunately, so far, have survived those dumb incidences, but it only takes one time. Yes. But there have also been other times when I've just had something urging me don't do that and I had just a small thing but coming out from my mother's house she lives on a very busy street with a super busy intersection there's a red light there a traffic light and I stopped at it and my light turned green and I was going to go and something it was almost as if it just clearly said don't move Mm -hmm. and I just sat there in traffic and a few beats went by and a car just flew through the red light going the opposite way. They would have I would they would have obliterated me.
1: Right, it would have. Yeah. It was
2: just that weird thing that something just said, just sit here for a minute and, and whatever it was, it saved me from massive injury.
1: Yes. I know exactly that you that, that moment that and luckily you listened to it because a lot of people go, "Oh, just God, oh my god, I'm imagining things." What am I gonna, let me let me get going but yeah uh and there's a lot of times that you really don't know because like in that example I gave you I knew exactly what I had the bullet I had dodged I had dodged like but um there was a time that I was doing some work where I had really odd hours and I had to go I was in two or three in the morning and I had to go sometimes into questionable parts of town and just to different places and hospitals and things and there was times where something told me one don't get out of my car yet I mean, because I was pretty good at being aware of what was going on around me, but still, something would always sometimes. And I, after a while, you learn to listen to it, which is like, you know, you turn off your car, and usually you, know, you grab your things and you're ready to leave. And there was a couple of times where something told me, just don't get out of the car, just wait a minute, wait a minute. And I usually listen to it because, and those are the kind times that you really don't know what what was the bullet that you dodged, but i I know that or other times where I've gone to certain places where exactly like what you said that you feel, I need to get out of here. Like right now, I don't know what it is, but I don't want to find out. I need to get out of here. So I understand exactly as far as, uh, the intuition thing. Or, and other times I've done exactly like what you said after you do something, you go, I knew, what did I do that? That was so st- I. I already knew beforehand. Like I, uh, I poo-pooed my, my gut, and went ahead and did it. We're a weird species that
3: some.
0: We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on root metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks.
2: Sometimes, I mean, a, a, a lion, the gazelle knows the lion's dangerous, and the lion's not going to change, but for some reason with humans, we'll, we'll be in a dangerous situation, I'm like, ah, it'll be okay. And we talk ourselves kind of out of what our intuition is telling us. And I've tried to be a lot better about that. And if my gut tells me, you know, get out of here, this is wrong, or get away from this person, something, they've done something horrible. I kind of listen to that a lot more now.
1: Yes. Yes, like you said, with that guy that was coming to that store that you really didn't know what it was about him. And it's almost sometimes like we guilt ourselves, especially when it comes to like, when you meet somebody that you feel that way about and you're like, wow, this, This person really hasn't done anything for me to feel this way. You know, you can try to almost guilt yourself into not feeling it, but sometimes I think either because of psychic or because subconsciously there's certain cues that we pick up on that they start telling us, giving us that message of like, be careful. Or in the case of that, that you found out later on that the guy was a child molester. That's incredible. So... Uh, Cindy, when you start writing, and and I was curious to ask you, because I've heard a lot of times that some authors, when they're writing in the process of writing certain books, that they start having experiences. Like, in other words, almost like they're stirring the pot when they're writing these stories. Has that happened to you?
2: If it has, I'm not really aware of it. Um, I can't think of a time when during writing, something's affected me, or I felt like I'm stirring up energies or anything, but my, one of my cousins, Donna, again, I've, my first couple of books, I featured Donna a lot because she had a lot of stories and she loved to tell them, and I sent her paperbacks when the books were published, and she called me and said, I just got your book, and I laid it on the table, and I laid my iPad on top of it, and now my, my iPad's not working, and I went into diabetic shock, and my husband had to go get me insulin, and it was all because your book came. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I was like, "Get throw away the book. You don't have to have it. And she's like, no, 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 I want the book. I just wanted to let you know that your book is giving off a lot of energy and it's affecting everything in my house. And I was like, okay. That was a, kind of a weird feeling for me because. Yeah. Uh, but, she, but she said also reading it stirred up a lot with her, and she would actually have panic attacks reading the book because she hadn't relived those stories for so long. And a lot of the stories, and we grew up, together so um, she had heard the same stories I had and now she was hearing reading stories that she had heard when she was a little girl and it brought back all these memories and she would have panic attacks remembering oh my gosh I remember when that happened um it, so that was it was weird for her but I've not really noticed anything for myself
1: so basically she had like a case of PTSD when she was reading those books where all of a sudden she was she got anxious when she wow so what yes, was, was it kind of in the moment. What would you say would be one of the stories that you think was, God? because it sounds like she had more than one, right? Oh, yeah.
2: And um, She was someone, she was affected at my grandmother's house, just like we all were. Mm-hmm. But then when she got married, she lived in Florida with her first husband and the apartment that they lived in, and she fell asleep on the couch one night, and the TV woke her up when when it went off air and it started buzzing, and She woke up, and there was something in front of the TV. There was something there in the room with her. And her husband and her baby were in the bedroom, and she didn't know how to get from the couch to the bedroom around this thing that she couldn't describe this creature that was in her living room. And she said she jumped over the coffee table, and she felt it scratch her arm. She got into the bedroom with her husband, and she locked the door, and it could have been a nightmare, except the next morning she had had scraped her and she had just all kinds of little things like that Where and her her brother was the one who lived his whole life being terrorized and the two of them together seemed to always have something going on
1: wow and, oh so this was okay i see what you're saying that he was the one that you talked about that he passed away when he was 40 years old because right. of the heart attack okay and wow. this is
2: the who also seemed to have experiences, um, lots of them, the fever, who something was covering her up during the night. Um, she had experiences with her first husband. Um, she was with her second husband and she had grandchildren at this time. She was driving and her little grandson, three years old, was in the back seat and they drove by a house and it wasn't a house she was familiar with. And he started just chattering away in the back and he was talking to his friends who lived in that house and the house was vacant. But he was chattering away, and he said, they want you to get out and go to the barn. And she was like, well, why do they want me in the barn? Well, they don't like you, and they oh. want you to come to the barn. And she, she said, there was no barn. You could just see the house. And he right. we was past this house several times, and at one point he wasn't with her. And she stopped the car and got out and looked around the house, and there was a barn around back. But he couldn't have known that. Right. And it was just creepy things like that. It kind of runs in her family. That I was going to say, it sounds like a family <laughs> thing
1: as far as, oh, wow. Like you said, there's no way for him to know that That back there. that In other words, that, that lends validity to whatever conversation, whoever he was having that conversation with. And when she said the creature, that's that's pretty creepy. She she wasn't talking about as a ghost she were, or a human, I guess is what I'm saying. It was, what, something non-human? Did she ever tell you what she saw?
2: Something non-human. What? But she couldn't, I mean, she didn't flat out say exactly what it was, some shadowy figure thing, but there was something moving in the room. There was something there. And if it was anyone else, I would say ah, you were just having a nightmare. But she mm-hmm. always had weird stuff going on. And then she always had physical proof that something had happened okay. to her Okay. and strange things um, her mother mm-hmm. um, was she was the one who loved to tell the ghost stories all through the night and she had lived in an apartment that was undoubtedly haunted because my mother who doesn't believe in any of this stuff the one member of the family who doesn't believe in it <laughs> said that she had all kinds of horrible things happen in that apartment when she would visit but she was like there's no doubt that that apartment was haunted Um, It was when they were younger and my aunt said if she was there by herself, she'd go take a bath and she would shut the bathroom door and the bathroom door would open. And if she would open the bathroom door, it would slam shut. What? And there was always noises in the house. She was shampooing her hair one day in the kitchen. She was leaning over the sink and she felt someone right there on her neck. And she threw the shampoo bottle to try to hit them. And there wasn't anyone there. The shampoo hit the floor. I said, there was something, there had been someone there. You can feel when someone's that close to you.
1: Exactly. And
2: just a bad feeling in the house, and there would be a bad smell of sulfur. Oh, that's not good. That is not good at all. Exactly. She would have to get out because she couldn't be in the house with that smell. She'd come back, and it was gone. And my uncle um, didn't believe in any of this, and yet... The final straw my cousin larry the one who died young he had an experience there where he had fallen asleep in the living room and he woke up and there were people sitting in the chairs in the living room and they were pointing to him and they were talking whispering and he just laid there and watched them watching him and this was all the time in this apartment everyone who went there my mom said she couldn't stay there for more than a day or two she would go stay with my grandmother when she was in town because she couldn't stay in the apartment. You always felt someone was watching you. There was always weird smells and weird sounds. And the final straw for them was one night they locked the doors, they went to bed, and someone banged on the door. Hard knocks. My uncle got up. He opened the door. He checked. there, The hallway was empty. There was no one there. He locked up again, went back to bed. Bang, bang, bang on the door. Nobody there. Back to bed. Huge bang. He runs into the living room. The door is full open, and it hits so hard it knocked a hole in the wall. What? And there's no there. And they moved out of the apartment. And even after that, he never would say that apartment was haunted. He was just like, we got to get out. Something's wrong. But <laughs> he wouldn't admit what was going on. But my aunt was like, that was it. We had to leave. You That's know, another statement. Something's but,
1: wrong. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like whatever was there was very malevolent I mean, to, to to be oh, able yeah. to... God. And Anytime let me ask... You some... that... I mean, it's funny what you're saying about your uncle that he must have been ready probably that you would think that this would be the, the convincer for him. Like, yeah, okay, this place is haunted.
3: Yeah. I think it's
2: sometimes hard for some men. To oh, admit. yes. They want to find a logical explanation right up to the end. And it's like, sometimes you just have to give in.
1: Yeah, well, I guess for a man, as far as how can you fight something you can't see, or how can you deal with something you can't see? And, exactly. Yeah, and I know that they have a problem with the the unseen thing. Did uh, Cindy, have you ever worked, or did you ever join a paranormal group, or or is this strictly just uh, stories that you collected? From um, these are the
2: stories that I've collected. Um, it, in the beginning, they were all family stories, mm-hmm. and then um, it would branch out to friends who knew I was writing. Oh well, I know. Let me tell you my story. And then when I started um, okay. publishing books and when I started doing interviews, people contact me now through social media. I get all mm-hmm. time, I get stories from people all over the country that just and some of them are so similar. The I had one lady. Um, Her story was very similar to my cousin's, where the burners on her stove would come on by themselves. Her blender would turn on by itself. Mm -hmm. Just something going on all the time. And, I mean, in her kitchen, some red blob just fell out of the ceiling. And nobody could identify it. Um, They didn't know what to do with it, so she buried it under a planter out in her yard, and the planter disintegrated. It was just (laughs) weird stuff. Um, I get so many amazing stories, and I've met so many amazing people, but uh, I've never been a part of a group. I've always okay. been just fascinated, but now stories come to me that just, I am I spend so much time just reading. I'm so amazed at what people go through, and that they live to tell the tale at the end of the day. Some of them just surprised me that they made it out in one piece, and she was one of them. Her story was one of the scarier ones for me, and I was just,
1: I'm so glad you got out. Yeah, I I interviewed this gentleman Ed Becker and he was he had an experience this was way back like in 1970 something. He wrote a book about it. And he was telling me, you know, unfortunately his wife was the one staying home with their baby, so she was the one that got the brunt of all these experiences in this house that they had gotten because he said back then a lot of times they wouldn't rent to people with children or with babies and he was like that same thing the man's man like I don't believe it's haunted. But anyway, he said one time uh, his wife had gone off to spend, I think it was a few days or a month, something with her mom. So he had to uh, come home and be by himself. And he says that what really, truly convinced him was one of the times that he knows that this thing had turned on the stove. And in other words, it's start to amp up and it was like almost like what you were describing where it's almost like a hint you know if we really wanted to do something worse he said that that thing because it was one of those gas stoves mm-hmm. where he realized that it got him thinking okay because certain things have been happening and of course he had tried to deny it denial whatever and like I said since he spent most of his time working he wasn't there for for all everything that was happening because one of the things that he explained to me was that contrary to what people think uh, a bulk of the occurrences were like during the daytime like like normal family life versus what you always think of as the night time hauntings so mm-hmm. i guess just because he wasn't there he missed a lot of the what was going on and uh having to be there by himself was his first true exposure and he says that that's what you know eventually they um ended up moving out and of course that was many many years ago but uh, he he described exactly what you were saying that something happens where you realize this is giving me hints that whatever is here it could become lethal in other words I mean not to make it sound all dramatic but it's not like oh I'm hearing like a knock or you know or footsteps or you know something that's scary but nothing bad comes of it as far as safety in other words and he he described i'm I'm doing the 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 quick version of it but uh, yeah that was that one event where he knew that whatever was there was harmful and uh, i think a lot of people sometimes especially now because there's so many shows with uh the ghost things that some people don't realize depending on what it is that's there that uh yeah, it it could affect you whether it's mentally or health wise, whether it's the anxiety or in some cases like what you described happened to you when you were in that house. That you could not only your house, your whole neighborhood could have blown up.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And people don't realize yeah, that I things like that can happen.
2: All of these, I've literally now had hundreds of stories come my way, and the more that I learn and the more that I've experienced, I really do think there's a difference between spirits who once were living and entities that have never been living.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And right. I think that those are the ones you have to worry about, because I really think that spirits that have were one time living, like the, the ones that haunted our house, I don't think they really ever learned to hurt us, because they could have. Mm-hmm. I think they just want us to leave and how else they they just couldn't come out and say leave. So they just had to do all these little piddling things that then turned into one big thing to say, OK, go. But I think like with my cousin Larry, I think whatever was haunting him was something that had never been living because it was exactly. really hateful and mean and for no reason and followed him wherever he went.
1: Right. So and the theory not, is on some of them that they that's what it feeds off of. When you're talking, that kind of uh, uh, entity is it feeds off like what you were talking about, fear, uh, Mm -hmm. anxiety, all the negative emotions. And um, I I mean, I was doing, I've been doing investigations since the 1990s. And, you know, a, a lot of, not all the cases, but sometimes you do run across people like that or even families, I hate to say it, that when you start talking to them, and you, you know, you're trying to find okay, when, when, when was it? What's the point of origin of this? When did it start happening? All of a sudden, they're telling you that they've had similar experiences, like in the last three places they lived.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: you start realizing, okay, do you realize that it might not be where you're moving to? It might be you guys, or one of you guys, or something like that. And then usually, not all the time, but usually, because that's one of the things I would do. I would always talk to all the members, whoever was involved separately, not in front of everybody else. Because sometimes (laughs) they tell you things that, because I would tell them, look, whatever you're going to tell me, I'll keep in confidence. But if you want some help, you know, you have to tell me the truth. Because, and uh, in some cases, there would always be that one person who would start talking about uh, experiences starting in early childhood. And Mm -hmm. um, they would be malevolent sometimes. And then they sometimes would go through years with nothing really happening. Not really, you know, significant. And then it would pick up. And um, almost like like what you said. It's almost like when things were kind of peaceful and happy, something would happen. Whether it was in the relationship, something would... And then, of course, once they got married or started a family, and then... Then we would be talking something else than just okay. Are we talking regular old dead people like those two guys who just like wanted their house to themselves?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, but yeah, a lot of people. It's it's incredible how sometimes people don't realize that it's them versus the 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 house. You know, they just think it's pure bad luck that they keep on ending up in all these houses where things start happening, and it's like. Um, you know, yeah, it can happen, but not really and since so let me ask you, it says here that you also uh you do the tarot. How did you get involved with doing the tarot? I've
2: always been interested, but mm-hmm. didn't go didn't go the path of really learning, and then I started getting more interested and i I got my cards and i I just i love them i got had such a connection the minute yes. I got my deck in my hand, I was like. I just fell in love with those cards, and they're like my security blanket. Yes. And and it's amazing to me. As people, I did a reading, because people stop at tarot. I believe in it so strongly. Mm -hmm. And I did a reading for a fellow. This was just probably last week, and he was worried about, where's my career going? And literally every card I pulled for him was success in business it just it just screamed everything that that he was mm-hmm. wanting to know every card just addressed it and then like I talked to him later and he was like this was great you know this was what I needed and you know I tell people their card and anything can change from one minute to the next yes but sometimes they are just on point. yes and absolutely I they're just so helpful to people who already... I think some of the people already know the mm-hmm. answer. They just want some some sort of verification. or Yes. And that's what the cards are. And it's amazing to me time and time again how how much I can learn about a person through the cards. And even myself, I read myself all the time. And I'm like, yes, yes exactly. Um, but I just... I straight away and the more I learn the more I want to learn and I'm just I just drink it
1: up right do you only have one deck that you work with with or do you have more than one deck because I mean I know what you're saying as far as once you be you get a deck for my for example myself nobody ever touches my decks (laughs) as in plural because you know they they have my energy they have my my juju whatever you want to call it (laughs) yeah my mojo whatever
2: thanks for
1: touching my deck my deck exactly and I mean and I don't mean it in a possessive type of way in the sense of it's mine right it's um Mm -hmm. that uh just like the same way we're talking about that you know people live leave an imprint on certain items it's the same thing as far as Mm -hmm. um you know especially when you do that type of work with tarot that because i don't know whether you want to call it energy exchange or uh i don't know it's something that you and i mean a couple of times i've gotten decks that it just didn't work for me it was like oh you know like it's like this is this is not working for me (laughs) it was like and i put them away because for some reason they just didn't feel right and i mean i would put them away and then i would start up again to see if The feel was different, and it wasn't. It was like, okay. About the third time I've tried that, I I realized that not... Because there's different... uh, Do you work with a classic one, or do you have a certain... um, Do you have a certain one that you like to work with?
2: No, I just have the classic, and I just have the one deck. And I'm connected with it right off the bat. And I I don't think I uh, would want to even try another deck, because I'm so... It's exactly what you said. Um, My energy is so in this deck of cards. And I mean, I'm I'm not possessive about it either, but I'm like, don't touch. Now you've messed up everything because all my energy is in there. And now you put your energy on there. Exactly. I'm really worried about it. But, um, yeah, it's just the the classics, and they work for me. I'm really attached to them. And, um, yeah, but I'm really strange. I have to know where they are all the time. And... Um, they have to be in the same place, and I'm I'm just really strange about it. But I do think there, whatever intuition I naturally have is transferred into those cards, mm-hmm. and they they're a great conduit. I just I just yes. love them, and I've had really um, and I love doing readings. And I didn't I wasn't sure that I would because I was a little bit scared, um, but it it just comes really naturally. If I don't feel it. Um, I don't tell people what they want to hear.
3: Right. If I don't feel
2: it, I just, I, I'm not getting it. I'm sorry. But I've had people tell me, you know, I had a reading, and, you know, I, I was interested in this guy, and the tarot reader told me he would be calling me on this exact date at this exact time, and it didn't happen. And I'm like, well, whoever told you that? Uh, no. I've never had the cards tell me exactly someone's going to call someone. Yes, exactly, on, on this date or
1: time. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Was waiting
2: for that call and it never came. And I'm like, please, don't let anyone tell
1: you that. Exactly. They can't know. So I'm
3: sorry.
1: No, they could just. And uh but I agree with what you say that a lot of times it confirms what people already know, especially if it's it's not all the time. It's something that they don't want to hear either. Either you know, they're hoping that you're going to tell them the opposite of what they kind of already know or suspect. And that's why mm-hmm. it's always good to be truthful as far as, yeah, I think, you you know, in other words, you might suspect that they might not want to hear what you're going to tell them, but in the long run, um, it's better that than like what you just said, oh, he's going to be calling on Tuesday at 4 p.m. Make sure to stay by the phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, <as> nothing happens. <laughs> that, just, that was just awful. I
2: felt so bad for her. And. It drives me crazy when people do that because that's so unnecessary, Um, and and I hate it when people ask me it's almost always about their love life, and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm really interested in this guy, and I haven't seen him for however many years. Is he so interested in me? And and the cards will say no. (laughs) Exactly. I'm sorry. Everything about it says no, and I know they want to hear yes, Mm -hmm. but... It's like I just make it as soft as I can. And right. so maybe you just need to move on because don't waste your life on someone who's not interested in you.
1: Yes, and I and I've run across that myself. And as a matter of fact, you were talking, not only the tarot, I have a dousing rods that I think I've had them for less than 20 years, 15 to 16. I don't know. I can't remember. But same thing. Um, I don't let anybody handle them. And the one couple of times that somebody's handled them, nothing happens with them. They're like just like there, like. And they're like, how's this working? And I'm like, it's really easy. It's just bent, but bent, bent steel rods. But you know, but yeah, it's like you you get you like you said you get attuned to these inanimate objects. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you've put some you know your energies in you know part of it, and uh, and then I'll take them, and all of a sudden they're like they they come alive. And I've used it in a lot of different ways as a matter of fact I tell people like I consider them one of my best tools sometimes uh they take a little bit longer than all the gadgets and stuff that they have nowadays especially when people go in there when doing some type of ghost hunting Mm -hmm. but I've had excellent results with them like I said it's just a little bit more time consuming than all the stuff that I said I, I I started doing this before even before there was the digital, you know, cameras where you spent a lot of money snapping pictures of sometimes nothing. <laughs> because, right? Yeah, a lot of the things uh, really have started maybe in the last fifteen or or twenty years, as far as all the things that you see nowadays. Uh, so, let me ask you, Cindy, are you working on any books? Are you planning anything new that's going to be coming out soon?
2: I am actually working on um, volume two of the. I'm not sure if it's going to be a chilling tale before you sleep mm-hmm. or volume two. I started the book, but not the title because it's going to be the second in a series, but I'm not sure which series it's going to be yet. Okay. Um, I'm kind of compiling stories right now in whichever way they fit. Um, it's probably going to be um, true supernatural tales, but we'll see. So far, that seems to be the way the stories are going. But yeah. it, it usually takes me a couple of months to get everything together, so it probably will be late spring that I'll have another book out. Just
1: published one last week, so. Oh, okay, okay. Um, and I know sometimes, uh, and the reason why I asked is that I know, especially for these types of books, sometimes you know the that time right before Halloween. So I would, that's what I was thinking that maybe your next one was going to be coming out, even though personally I. I mean, well, you can't tell from where I'm at, but I mean, I've always been a collector of books, and like I could tell everybody when I was a kid, the only type of ghost stories they had was the ones written by Hans Halser and that was about it. Oh. And um, I've always been fascinated by ghost stories. And, you know, you've you got the classic ones like M.R. James and all these Victorian ghost stories, but they, I don't know, there's something about when it's a real ghost story. <laughs> it's like <laughs> changes everything, and... Uh exactly like I was saying it doesn't have to be a, a castle or a Victorian mansion. You can get some really haunted things going on in an apartment or a 1950s bungalow or things like exactly. that. So yeah, those you are know, the, I'm fascinated by those true ghost stories. But anyway, I, I well, I'm those, sure that yeah, you when you when you, you when you I love it. When you get all these people sending you ghost stories, it's incredible sometimes have you found that some people sometimes you're one of the first people or the only people that they've actually told the story to? Because I know a lot of people keep quiet about those experiences. Usually, yes. Um,
2: sometimes um, they'll, like there are a lot of people involved. So people around them already know. Mm-hmm. But sometimes people will say, this happened to me when I was a kid and I didn't tell anyone or I told my mom and she didn't believe me and I never told anyone else. Yes. Um, I have that with this lady and I just loved her story so much. But um, she's an adult now, but when she was 11, in their family home, she went down to the kitchen one night to get a snack, and there were two men in the kitchen, and their mouths were moving, but no words were coming out, and she said it looked like she was watching like a reel from a silent movie, because she was watching this scene unfold, but they couldn't seem to see her, even though she could see them, and they... They were fighting, and then one man hit the other man with something, and she saw blood on the floor, and she witnessed a murder in the kitchen, But and then they were gone. And it only happened once, and no one else in the family ever saw it. She went back upstairs, and she couldn't sleep all night, and she told her mom the next morning. Her mom didn't believe her, and she never told anyone else. And when she sent me the story, I was like, I love it, because I totally believe that sometimes energy – is yes. held in one place and it just repeats and repeats and maybe no one's ever been there to see it. Maybe it happens all the time or maybe on the anniversary mm-hmm. of the event or whatever. Exactly. She didn't know these men and she said it, just by their clothing and their hair it looked like this had happened decades before. Everything looked really old to her but of course she was 11 so who knows but right. um, I love stories like that and I was just, I'm was i fascinated by anything that's kind of reliving the past and. I think stuff goes on around us all the time. We're just not always privy to it. We don't always see it. But I think there's
1: always stuff going on. Right, and sometimes, I hate to say it, but kids sometimes have just more of an open mind as far as being able to see it because those filters that we put up as we get older or get more preoccupied with life, they're just not there anymore. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, um, I had one guy a couple of months ago. He's telling me this story. He was a kid. He grew up in Queens, and he said that this house... Uh, His grandfather had bought it and ended up buying the house next door as well. And he said that him and his parents, they moved in there. And he said that eventually when he was like a teenager, they decided to make the basement like a like a rec room, you know, like, hey, all the teenagers go into the basement. But he said it was one of those basements, you know, that have the windows were almost at ground level for some lighting Mm -hmm. to go in. So he said that he would be always hanging out with his friends down there. And he says every once in a while, he would see, they would see shadows going back like, like not. But they said that because they were teenagers and a bunch of guys, they really didn't pay attention to it. Like, hey, man, that's a weird shadow. Like, but ah, forget it, whatever. So he says Mm -hmm. one day he's sitting down there with a friend of his. And he says that out of thin air. Well, you know, like they, they saw him when he was there. They see a man cross the room and go down this hallway, which he knew like ended in a in a cement wall. In other words, it was like a little passage where it was like, n- there's nothing there. So he says, he, h- him and his friend looked at each other like, did you see that guy? Yeah, I saw that guy. They both get up and they run like to where the guy was and of course, there's nobody there. And they were like totally weak out, like what happened? So yeah. he says the next day, he goes to his mom and he goes, uh, you know, I saw this man, I saw this guy. She goes, well, what did he look like? He goes, well... He looked like he was in his 50s and he was wearing like a, a suit, but like maybe from the 40s or something like that, or the 30s. And then she tells him the story that apparently the prior owner of that house, there was a trap door that I guess was once upon a time where they would throw coal down into the basement area. And this guy had come home, I don't know for, for, for what reason, didn't know or forgot that that trap door was open and he fell through it and he got died after falling into the basement through that trap door and he says that after they saw it that one time that was it they never saw the shadows again and of course he never saw the guy again but he was like he was like he says it was solid it says it looked like all of a sudden there was like where did the stranger come out of and how is he in my basement and I just saw him walk into a passage where there's no place for him to have gone Hmm. so yeah sometimes there's that one time event which is like and and it makes you think that after that he says after that we never saw the shadows again like what was it that one time that they saw him or whether somebody actually gave acknowledged or recognized and said the story of what had happened to this guy that he had fallen through the trap door down to the basement he got killed that was the end of it who knows but yeah (laughs) Those are the the, the stories that I like. But anyway, Cindy, thank you so, so much for spending this time today. It has been wonderful to have you because, yes, like I said, I love ghost stories, but the true ones are absolutely the best as far as I'm concerned. Well,
2: Thank you so much for having me. I enjoyed every minute of it.
1: Absolutely, darling. Take care and have a good weekend. You do the same. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, guys, what did you think? Hmm? Uh, i don't know about you but i think what can i say um you know what i'm not kidding oh no big no mystery there marlene likes true ghost stories hello (laughs) yes i do that's a which by the way my true believers don't forget that story that i just told about that guy he says that he saw the this this guy walking around with a pinstripe suit in his basement out of nowhere that was the story from one of my true believers okay he was this happened to him when he lived in queens and uh lucky lucky for him that his mom fessed up and told him the truth otherwise that'd still be a mystery but yes, my true believers, please send me your stories because I love to either hear, you can write them, record them, send me an email. If you want me to record it, if you feel more comfortable just talking to me, we could do this over the phone or Skype, whatever. And Like I said, it doesn't have to be about ghosts. It could be about cryptids. It could be just unexplained things, weird stuff. doesn't matter. I'm easy that way you know I I just want to hear the stories because uh, a lot of what like Cindy said a lot of these um, experiences that everyday people have are the most interesting and the most valid ones and it doesn't um, in, in her case when she described what happened to her while she was living there with her husband in that house and her child that was that's pretty scary because the what if could have happened was a big what if Um, but you know, there's people though that go through hauntings and they don't have to be significant and sometimes it's low level. And then for some reason I've run across a lot of these situations where something triggers and sometimes people know what it is and sometimes they don't, where everything just amps up or where it was like really subtle, and then it would stop for a few months, and all of a sudden it amps up, it even becomes malicious, which is Marlene's theory is. Coexisting with a dead is never a good idea. I don't care who it is. Grandma, grandpa, uncle, the guy that lived it, it, it. Every time I've talked to somebody, it always ends up going sideways. It might take years to get there, but get there it will. You know, when you gotta discard it. No matter, even if that person in life was a really nice person, it just, we're not meant to coexist. This is this is our plane for the human beings with the living body. But anyway, <clears throat> so, um, and uh, it's incredible also what she was ta- talking about her cousins because both of her cousins, the male cousin who passed away when he was 40 years old and this female cousin who had a life of all these experiences which sounds like they happened to her just about every place she was at and again this wasn't like oh I smelled coffee brewing we're talking quite um, some type of malevolence and I hear this a lot as far as families or individuals being haunted and if it's a non-human entity what it feeds off of is exactly that despair anxiety fear um uh, things like that. as a matter of fact, I wanted to have a show on that uh, uh, as far as certain individuals or even families that sometimes for generations, they have been uh, something's been attached to them and has and sometimes you can only see this in hindsight because let's face it, you know, all families always suffer deaths tragedies that's, that's a human condition but almost like there's uh, it's too much so and uh usually we're talking then uh not only an attachment but usually a non-human attachment and sometimes uh not a lot going to it where sometimes it's an ancestor who has intentionally or unintentionally made a vow with this entity and their bloodline, okay. Like I said, that's that'll be another show. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for coming back and looking at these shows or hearing it. If you're catching it on podcasts, which you know that besides the video that you can see on YouTube, you can find me. Which you just go to My Migos Chronicles on YouTube. I'm on all the podcast platforms: Stitcher, iHeartRadio, uh, Spreaker, iTunes can find me there miami ghost chronicles stories of the supernatural again if you have your true story go to miami and go to the submit your story tab and you'll find me there as far as if you want to if you have a question or if you want to submit a story you can do that there catch me on facebook instagram and on twitter i do a lot of live streaming on facebook and on twitter and uh i have some fantastic i have incredible guests coming on really really a great lineup of fantastic guests go you guys whatever your flavor is of the paranormal i'm going to bring somebody here that you're going to be happy with so anyway guys it's sunday for me have a great rest of the weekend and take
0: care we did it again